0: Good morning, and welcome again to Life Church. Little different weather for this service. You guys were the wise crowd that slept while the rain was coming. I don't know. I just get, it was hard to wake up this morning, but uh, it looks like it's pretty nice out today. Today we're going to dive right in uh, to the message today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to get there in just a couple of minutes. But uh, as a kid, I, maybe some of you can relate to this. But I remember this distinctly. I think my only clear rational thought until I was about 10 years old was get more stuff. Everything was geared around getting stuff. I I remember trick-or-treating, and I know everyone has their opinion about Halloween and trick-or-treating. My family trick-or-treated. We just couldn't be bad guy costumes, okay? We had to, you know, be nice costumes. So uh, I I remember uh, every year Halloween would roll around, and I'd start planning out uh, how I was going to get as as much candy as possible. I was a little bit of a nerd. Uh, Things have obviously changed. I'm not a nerd anymore, but uh, which that's left up to debate. But uh, I would plan out, I would plot out, I would actually make a map of, of my neighborhood, surrounding neighborhoods, and my friend Nathan and I, we would get together and we would strategize. It was like a game of risk. We're going to conquer this neighborhood and all these things and and, and figure out how we're going to get as much candy as possible. And we learned a lot of things uh, from years past. There was a, a certain house that we knew every year gave out king-size candy bars. You don't want to miss that. And, and I also found out they would run out of candy Uh, Like halfway through the night, about seven o'clock or so, or six o'clock, and so we would make sure that's one of the first houses we'd go to, so we got the best candy bar. For me, I didn't like Butterfingers; I didn't want to stick with a get get stuck with a Butterfinger. I wanted a Snickers, so I got the king size Snickers every year. I remember it distinctly. I also remember down the street from me lived a dentist. They're just like the killjoys of Halloween, you know. (laughs) He gave out a stick of sugar-free gum taped to a toothbrush. I mean. Lame, and that's all. I it was just I was like, what? I did not want that. So we would skip that house. And I had I have more toothbrushes than I need, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, sugar-free gum is not the same. I don't care what you say. So anyway, uh, we had all this plan and strategy. We would even plan pit stops of being able to stop home to dump all of our stuff off and to go out and get more. I mean, we were like those annoying kids that would run between houses. It was about getting candy, and at the end of the night, we would, you know, kind of dump all of our candy out, and uh, come to find out, I'd probably eat about a handful of it, maybe, and then the rest of it would sit in a box in my closet until October 30th next year, then I'd dump it out and do it all over again, but uh, that was kind of, uh, man, it was all about getting as much candy as possible, then right after that was done, you go right into Christmas season, and this might just be me, I don't know, but I got so excited when the Fleet Farm catalog came out. I don't know if you guys remember the Fleet Farm catalog. Maybe it was a different store for you that had a catalog that came out, and it came out, and I was just like, "Oh man, I gotta see what all the toys are this year." I always wanted a Power Wheel. Never got it. A power never got it, never got a Power Wheel. I don't know if you guys know what those are. I'll sing the song for you later if you don't know what they are. They were awesome, but I never got one. Anyway, I would I would list out like 10 pages of stuff that I wanted. And then I kind of whittle it down to a conservative like four pages of stuff that I wanted. And I would even make little side comments by each item. Uh, This toy does not include batteries, you know. You (laughs) know. You don't want to be that kid that's stuck on Christmas Day trying to find D batteries when you're like, where do I, you know, so you got to say, I, I need batteries with this too, okay, just Santa, you know, a little shout out to you, but um, that was kind of my, a lot of what my childhood was about, it was about getting stuff, and I see this in my daughter May as well, you know, even at two years old, she will take all of her toys out and dump them in the middle of our living room. If we don't watch her carefully, she will take, she'll just keep taking toys out, everything that she owns, books, just you know, throwing them in the middle. And she doesn't even really want to play with them all. She just wants to look. Man, look at all this stuff that I have. This is so cool. And so we actually have to regulate her a little bit and say, now if you want to take another toy out, you have to, you guys have probably done this before, you have to put the toy away, and she's trying to get that, and sometimes she'll have meltdowns about that, and all sorts of things, but uh, her, uh, it actually recently was funny, because um, her birthday was in June, and five days after her birthday, uh, she became a big sister, and so, she got all these presents from her birthday and then five days later everyone like feels bad for may like oh she gets she doesn't get any presents it's all about ben and her new little brother so everyone got her a present too so she just got it was like christmas in june you know it was just the best time and so it got to the point where i would actually come home from work and she'd say where's my present you know like (laughs) We're, you don't have a present this time, and so we had to teach her some things there. But uh, as a kid, I think a lot of my thought process was about getting as much stuff as possible. It was not about quality. Uh, it was about quantity. It didn't matter how, uh, how valuable my baseball cards. It's just that I got, like, 7,000 baseball cards. That's pretty cool. And, I, you know, I just had – I still have them all, by the way, thinking one day they're going to be worth something. I don't think they are. But um, anyway – as an adult, I, I like to think that I'm an adult now, and I fast-forward time, and and I, I realize that it, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Yeah, I'm maybe not as conscious about accumulating stuff, but take one step into my basement, I have a curtained-off area that is just... Boxes stacked to the ceiling, you guys probably all have areas like this. maybe you have a storage unit at one time, I had a storage unit that was just filled with stuff. You go into my closet there's shirts that i haven't worn in years there's there's pairs of shoes that I never even put on uh, there I bought a pool this past summer uh, that we can't even use, we don't have an area in our yard that's flat enough to, to use it, uh, which was really disappointing. But that's going to sit in there for a while. I have. There's just so much stuff that we have. And I go to the grocery store, Amanda will give me like a little post-it note. Here's the things that, you know, we, that we need to get or whatever. And I'll come out of the store with like double than what was on the list. And Amanda's like, why did you get chocolate milk? I'm like, it was 99 cents. Are you just not going to get chocolate milk? It was on sale. I mean, come on. Uh, I'll come out with like, I got some new shampoo. I was like, oh, that looked really cool. You know, you see things on sale. You see things. I'm like a deer in headlights when I get into the grocery store. I come in with a plan. I leave just like, why did I get all this stuff? But then I like when when you you know, swipe your card, and your amount goes from like twenty-eight dollars to like nineteen. You know, and you see a kind of calculator, whatever you save nine dollars. You know, whatever whatever you save that day. Um, as adults, as Americans, uh, you know, uh, we consume a lot of stuff. We accumulate a lot of stuff. Uh, I heard a statistic that we, as Americans, will throw away thirty billion dollars of food each year. Thirty billion dollars of food just in the garbage that is just completely wasted. Uh, as Americans, we we go through a lot of stuff and we have a lot of stuff. We have what they call thrift stores. I think you go to a lot of countries, they would be like a oh, thrift? You just get rid of your stuff. You just give it away for free another you know, I mean there's just things like that. We have so much stuff. The concept of having storage units would be a crazy thought in many parts of the world, but it is just it's part of, of our culture. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I, I want to talk about that today because the Bible has some very specific things to say about that type of mentality. And if you have your Bibles, again, Luke chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 13. But this is the parable of the rich young ruler. To me, it's a, this is a very challenging uh, passage of scripture, but one that definitely needs to be talked about. And a parable, just so you know, we've been going through this series called Flannel Graph Jesus, talking about different parables of Jesus. A parable is simply a story with a meaning, and Jesus taught in them all the time. And so uh, we're going to kind of break down what is the meaning of this parable. If you have your Bibles, Luke 12, 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He goes on to say in verse 16, and he told them this parable, this, the ground of a certain man produced a rich crop, a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all that you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Now, there is a, a lot going on in this parable, and uh, we're not going to get to everything that this parable kind of goes into. And in fact, a lot of times when I've heard people preach on this parable or I've heard different teachings on it, um, the common denominator is the main point of this, this parable is they talk about giving and we need to give more. And I believe, you know, that's very much what this parable talks about. But I think that we're not going to focus a whole lot on that today. And the reason why, and some of you can take a deep breath, we're not going to talk so much about giving today. The reason why is that that's just a symptom of a deeper issue that's going on here that would be kind of like giving you cold medicine for a cold. It's just you may, maybe you won't cough as much. Maybe you won't have as much you know runny nose. But the cold is not going to get healed. And so we want to talk about a much deeper issue going on there. And I think the first thing we have to do is, is figure out who is Jesus talking to. Because when Jesus taught, a lot of times he spoke very directly to certain groups of people. Now, in, in every story that he tells, yeah, there's things that everyone can get out of every story and every teaching but there are a lot of times that he would take time just to speak to like the religious Pharisees and speak directly to him. It might not apply as much to everyone else, but he 's going to speak directly to them. This parable right here is one that Jesus is specifically is talking to rich people and and in Jesus' day, that wasn't a huge group of people. it was a very small group of people, but he 's specifically talking. To these people, yeah, everyone else, uh, you know, poor people and middle class, all that, they can get something out of this parable. But he is talking to rich people, and so the question we have to ask ourselves when we look at this is: Am I rich? Am I rich? Does this parable apply to me? And I did a little research this past week, and I found out a few things uh, about rich people. Maybe you can uh, relate to some of these. Maybe you can't. But rich people, they will run out of time. Before they run out of money, which means they will, their time on Earth will pass, and they will still have money left over, and so they will have to, you know, invest this or hire a financial planner to figure out what are you going to do with all this money afterwards. It's kind of like just like this guy, uh, the rich young ruler. He has so much stuff, he has to build bigger barns, and has, you know, what, what's going to happen all this stuff when he dies someday. That that that's a common problem that rich people have. Another thing I learned about rich people is they have uh, the top 8% of people in the world, they have cars, at least one car. Sometimes they even have more than one car. And what they'll do is they will build a house just made for their car. It's not for anything. It's just made for their car. Sometimes it's temperature controlled. Uh, Sometimes it's painted and it's finished up real nice. Sometimes it's two, three, four, five stalls where they can put all their cars, recreational vehicles. And they'll go in there and they'll look at their cars and say, I know that this car works perfectly fine, but I want a new one. And so they'll go and they'll trade the old one to get a newer model, even though it worked perfectly fine. It's a fascinating thing, but that's something that rich people tend to do. Another thing that rich people do is they will go into a closet full of clothes, and they will say this without fail. I have nothing to wear. Some of you might know some rich people. I, I hear you laughing a little bit. Uh, I have nothing to wear. I need to get a new dress. I need to get a new pair of pants. I need to get new, a new pair of jeans. Or I got five, six, seven, eight pairs of jeans, but come on. I just need a new pair. I, I have nothing to wear. Another thing rich people will do, and this one is real fascinating, is that they, they're, they're, the, the place that they work for, their company, will give them two, three, four, five, six weeks, even more, off per year. And they don't even have to show up for work and they, they don't even have to show up for work, but they don't even have to produce anything that week. They have to do nothing. And this is the kicker. They still get paid to do that. They get paid to leave work for a week or two weeks or however much they have, and they will just, they'll get paid as if they were there. It's a crazy thing that happens, and it gets very stressful for these rich people because then they have to figure out, well, I've got this time that I can just go, and I'm going to get paid, so man, I've got to figure out where we're going to go. Um, I've got to figure out you know, where we're going to stay, and we're not going to be by our kitchen for a whole week, so we're going to have to eat out every meal. That's pretty stressful, because you got to figure out what restaurant am I going to eat at every meal, and, and, and what cruise line should we go on, and, and uh, a lot of times the families will get in fights on these times off, because they have, they're not used to spending that much time together, because they're like, what do we do with all this time, and where should we go, and there's arguments that happen about what to do with their time. Now, some of you are looking at me like, is he serious right now? And, of course, I'm being a bit facetious when I, when I tell you this. But that, what I just described, is how a lot of people would look at the average American. A lot of people in the world look at the average American and say these exact types of things. Things that we just think are like, yeah, I have a car. I mean, how do you expect me to get around? Yeah, I have a garage for my car. Yeah, I, I have a closet full of clothes. I, I mean, yeah, I can go into the store and I can buy groceries and put them in my refrigerator and have food for the week or month or year or whatever. I can have, you know, and we would think about that like, yeah, that's, that's part of our lifestyle. And that's not wrong. And that's what I want you to know today. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But we don't realize that we're rich. Uh, the reality is that the top uh, if you if you live on more than two dollars a day, you're in the top 25 percent of wage earners in the world. Two bucks a day. If you make more than forty-seven thousand dollars a year, you're in the top one percent of wage earners in the entire world. And yet, we don't think that that's rich. If you ask somebody in here that makes forty-seven thousand dollars a year, are you rich? They would probably say no. I'm not rich, and and you'd ask them, well, what would make you rich? And according to studies and polls that are done, they would say, well, about a hundred thousand dollars would 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 eh, be pretty rich then. And you ask somebody that makes that much, How, well, what would be what would be rich? And they would say about double what they make, and and it never would stop. They would keep saying, you know, a, a little bit more would be would be rich for me. And again, I'm not here to beat everyone up over that and to say. You guys are rich, and shame on you. I'm not here to tell you to go trade places with somebody that you know that's less fortunate. But what I am here to say is that we have a huge responsibility. And this parable is not talking to everyone. It's talking to the people in this room. It's talking to rich people. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't think you're rich, you are rich. And so this, this parable is something that we have to take pretty seriously. So there's some things that I think we should really download out of this parable, and if you're taking notes, I'm just gonna kind of go through them uh, quickly today. But the first one is this: Give God the credit. Give God the credit. Verse 19 it says, and I'll say to myself, "You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry." And one thing that I think you know, Jesus probably has the most difficult time. With, with this guy, it's a fictional character, but he's trying to make a point here. The biggest problem that he has with this guy is his arrogance. This guy, and, and we, don't even, we might not even see this as all that arrogant because what he's describing sounds a lot like retirement in America. You know, like, I got so much stuff. I'm just gonna sit around and eat, drink, and be merry and have a good old time. And I'm not here to, to condemn that, but we don't quite see it through the lens that Jesus is trying to get across. The people in Jesus' day, it was about 90% was lower class. I mean, they, they were dirt poor, scraping by just to get a meal each day. They were very, very poor. And then there was this select few that were extremely rich. And they would use that power and that wealth to lord over uh, and oppress the poor people in Jesus' day. And so when this guy comes across just saying, I, got, psh, I, got, I could just... Tear down my barns, build bigger ones. I got enough stuff. I don't have to worry about anything for the rest of my life. I'll just, and uh, you know, just take it easy. This was extremely arrogant. The disciples would have seen this and been like, oh my goodness, I can't believe somebody would actually. Uh, would actually do that. It's kind of like uh, the kid in high school, which I'm sorry if you're this kid in high school, but I was not this kid in high school, uh, who who drive like a brand new car, have like a brand new Camaro that they'd roll into the high school parking lot. I had like a Geo Prism, had like 294,000 miles on it, and it, it literally stopped working while I had a car full of uh, of friends in it on the, on the freeway, and we had to roll it down the exit ramp. But anyway, another story for another day, but uh, has a brand new Camaro and comes into school think, you know, pumping his music, thinking he's just the coolest. Come to fi- and he's the one that would always offer to drive. You know, any, Anytime you're going anywhere because he wants people to see his cool car, come to find out he doesn't make the payment on it. He does not pay for the insurance. He doesn't even pay for the maintenance. He doesn't even pay for the little, the, the little air freshener in the window. He doesn't pay for the gas, anything. His dad is the one paying for all this, and but he's driving it like you know, he's the man. Uh, that's exactly what this, this rich young ruler is doing. He's saying, this is all about me. This is everything that I have is because I earned it. And sometimes it's easy to get into that rut of thinking, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. Everything I have is is because, man, I climbed the ladder and I came out of, my, my parents could never afford this for me, but I'm going to make sure I can afford this for my kids. And there's nothing wrong with being determined uh, in certain areas, but it's, it's easy sometimes to neglect the fact that You have no control over where you were born. You have no control over the family you were born into. You have no control over your IQ. You have no control over the talents and the abilities that God's given you. It is all about your father in heaven, your creator, who has put you in a position to earn the wealth that you have. And this guy completely neglects all of that and says it's all about him. And and today, I just want to remind us, give God the credit. A couple of ways you can do that. First of all, make a list, uh, make a top 10 list. Uh, every day that you just pray for, the top 10 things that you are thankful for. Say, Jesus, thank you for my family. Thank you for the house that I live in. Thank you that I have a refrigerator full of food. I don't have to worry, go meal to meal. Thank you for a job. Uh, thank you for just the brain that you've given me to be able to make the money that, that I'm able to do. Thank you for being my source. And thank you for everything that you've done. If you have a big success, uh, I'd encourage you too. if you have a family, this is a great thing to include your kids in and family in. You get a promotion, you get a new car, you get a new uh, a new house, whatever kind of the success may be. Include your family in that and say, this is because of God. It might be as simple as we have food on the table tonight. We are going to thank God. And not just one of these like, you know, thank God for this food, amen, and let's eat. But with your family, and i, I say in this more for your kids' sake, but to be able to say this, God has provided this for us. God you know, has given us the ability to have this food. Not everyone have this, has this. That's one thing that uh, Amanda and I did this past month when uh, Mission of Mercy came in with child sponsorships. We've sponsored a child, and every day we talk to May about it. You know, we have our uh, our, our little girl's name is Mepenzie and she's on the fridge, and we'll talk about her and, and write. You know, we have little letters that we can write, and and we we explain it to May. And we're saying she doesn't have what we have, and and May her. She's on her picture. This girl is wearing one flip flop and she doesn't have two flip flops. And May is very concerned about that. And I think that that is an awesome thing because she's like, she doesn't have two flip flops. She only has one. And, and so we explain, well, she doesn't have what you have. And we explain to May, you have an awesome family. You have a roof over your And we try to do that at a young age. But I encourage you, give God the credit. The second thing today out of this parable is give God your best. Give God your best. In uh, verse 20, it says, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself. This is the big part. But is not rich toward God. It doesn't say that your life will be demanded from you if you store up things for yourself. It says if you store up things for yourself and you are not rich towards God. So give God your best. In every area, we talk about three different areas in particular at life Church that we, we encourage you to give God your best in your time, your talent and your treasure. First of all, your time. Uh, I don't know if you realize it and I'm going to make a shameless plug, uh, but how you spend your time uh, and how you honor God with your time is a big deal. I'd encourage you, get involved at Life Church. We have about 256 volunteers at, at Life Church and every weekend it takes about 80 um, to make a service happen. And, and I'd encourage you, some of you might, I don't have time, I don't have time for this, I, you know, you don't understand, and some of you legitimately might be in a season where you don't have time right now, but we have a lot of time compared to most people. We have a five-day work week, sometimes even a four-day work week, which in most parts of the world is unheard of. It's not, you know, it's not, a, in the Bible you even see six, they work six days and rest one, and so I think we have time, and the thing I found is we make time for what's important to us. And a lot of times, if you were to log out everything you do, you would see what's important uh, to you. I'm just going to tell you one thing and be transparent. I love professional football. And uh, I won't go in to tell you what team I cheer for. You would like me less, probably, if I told you. But the team I grew up cheering for, I watched every single one of their games this past year. Three hours a time. You know, if you DVR it, you can get it down to about two hours but it was something that something that's important to me, and I, uh, some of you might think, well, why you know why do you care so much? I don't know. It's just I, don't, I don't, I'm competitive. I, I like that. You know, I, I watch all the games, and so it's it's something that I did this past year. Well, that's important to me. I made time for it. Okay, if it's important to you, you will make time for it. I'm just going to tell. you. I'm going to challenge you how you spend your time, man. If I could, two things. If I could have your cell phone for a week. If I could have your checkbook for a week, and if I could have, if you could log out everything you did, I could tell you how close you are to God. I'm just going to tell you. Those things dictate how close you are to God. But that, this is another, another story for another time. Give God your best in your time, your talent, the things that God's given you the ability to do. How are you able to leverage that for him? Everything that you do, how can I leverage that for the kingdom of God? If it's, man, I have the ability to, to do this, that, and the other, and I'm going to just do it extremely well, and I'm going to be able. To, I'm going to be stinking filthy rich, but I'm going to use that money to be a blessing, and I'm going to bless the pants off of somebody. I'm going to just just give until it hurts. I am going to just be just an extravagant giver. Then do that, if it means if you have uh, the ability to. You know, just I'm going to give you an example. There's um, John Twig, who's a part of our congregation. He he's a carpenter. Has an incredible ability, and so uh, what we what we do is uh, there's things that need to be fixed. There's things that need to be installed. There's woodwork that needs to be done. I could think of other people throughout the church that have certain giftings in, in different areas. I think about people that can have the ability to run sound and the musicians that that stand up here every week. These are volunteers that are coming up here and just giving God their their talent that they've been given. I'd encourage you give God. Your talent, give God your best in your talents. And the last one is this your treasure. Give God your best in your treasure. What's funny is that poor people in the world don't have as big of a problem with this as rich people do. They have less to give, but want to do it more often. Uh, And and you have to define, uh, there's some clear lines on on what's poor and what's rich, and it's kind of subjective, it goes country to country. But poor people on average, Christian or not Christian, just poor people on average, give about 9% of their income away each year. Rich people, across the board, give about 1% of their income away each year. I mean, I think it tells you right there, it's very difficult. The more you make, you think, "Well, oh, it's easier to give." The more I make, it's it's going to be easier. Things are going to loosen up a little bit, and I'm going to pay this off or whatever. It's going to get easier. It doesn't get easier. In fact, I'd say it gets harder. Let's say you have hundred thousand dollars to give ten thousand dollars away. is pretty difficult. But if you have a thousand bucks, even a hundred away doesn't seem as big of a deal. I'm telling you, it becomes harder. the more you you make, the more you have. But give God your best in your time, your talent, and your treasure. And the last thing, and I want to spend just a few minutes on this because I, I really think it's kind of the crux of what Jesus is trying to say here. Give God your worries. Give God your worries. Now, Jesus, he's teaching here, and he gets to this point in verse 22, and he says the word therefore, and then he goes in to talk about worry, and we'll read it in just a minute, but... This is a very important thing that he says because he's saying everything that I've talked about in this parable about giving God your best and giving God credit and all this type of stuff, it all comes down to this one thought. And he says he says this, starting in verse 22. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Jesus is saying all of this comes down to this issue of do you really trust me? Are you going to sit there and worry about having food on the table? And are you going to sit there and worry about all these little details? Or are you going to trust me and, and for me, I'm just going to tell you that this maybe more so than anything else in this parable is what really hits me, and, and, and convicts me and challenges me because I um I tend to be a big time worrier. Uh, it's something that I've that I, I can honestly say that I've gotten better at and I I'm working on, but I worry about a lot of stuff. I'll just tell you I. I worry about financial things. I worry about things like retirement. I know I'm, I got years before I have to really, but I, I, start, to, I start to think about that. I'm like, am I, I going to have enough? And, and you look at the economy and you're like, okay, how am I going to make this work? I look at things like statistics come out that freak me out a little bit where they talk about school and how much it's going to cost somebody to go to college uh, in 15 to 20 years, I mean, just astronomical. I'm like, it's probably going to be over $100,000 just to go to a middle of the road school for, to send each kid of mine to school. I'm, I start thinking about that, and I get stressed out. I start thinking, how how are we going to make that work? I start thinking about uh, you know my family, and I hope everyone turns out okay, and I hope you know I, I hope they don't get in with the bad crowd, and I hope that I do everything that I can as a parent. To, to bring them up to love and serve God and I I just hope that that latches because I've seen it where parents I feel like they're doing the, the right stuff and their kid just goes a different direction and I'm like I hope that that's not the case in my family I hope I do everything that I can and then I start to worry about um, things like I, uh, Amanda and I we have a, a home that we rent out and every year when that When that lease kind of gets towards the end and and we're ready to either have somebody renew the lease or or have a new person move in or whatever, man, I just begin to get stressed out and I'm like, uh, is this going to work out? And God will convict me time and time again and say, Ryan, how many yesterdays do I have to prove faithful before you will just trust me today? You know? Uh, he, he, he reminds me of time, like just this, this house, for instance, time after time, how he's supplied somebody, and he's, he's made it work. We've never gone without a meal. We never, you know, he, he's like, he keeps reminding me, Ryan, I will take care of this. Don't worry about it so much. And I know that we worry about a ton of stuff. I know that we do. I, I, I see people with prayer requests, and it's great. That, that they're that they're getting to the point where they're going to begin praying about something, but there's some real deal issues that that we face, and I just have a few questions, you know, to ask you. How many of you can heal somebody from from cancer or some sort of terminal illness? How many of you guys can heal somebody? We can't, we can't heal somebody, not not on our own power. But we serve a God who can. Do you believe that? That we serve a God who can heal anyone he he wants to heal. So. Why do we worry about that? You know, you have a a friend or a loved one, and I'm not talking about just being concerned or whatever, but like genuinely worrying about somebody. Why do we do that? Why don't we just say, God, this is the situation. I believe that you can answer this prayer. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be so concerned because I can't do anything about it. The scripture says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? It doesn't accomplish anything and yet we do it all the time. How many of you can um, can protect your kids from every type of danger? You can't. I know that you, sometimes you think you can. Uh, last night, even, um, about 2 o'clock in the morning, our dog just began howling and bark, kind of like a weird bark I have not really heard before. And so I was like, I popped up out of bed. And I man, I almost got excited because I was like, I'm going to throw down. You know, like, I... You know, and I don't even know, I've never even really been in a fight before, not like a real one. I don't know how it would go down, but I was ready. I was actually kind of excited, honestly, but I was like, okay, what? Well, nobody is going to mess with my, you know, you get this protective instinct that comes up. And, and I want to protect my family as best I can, but I can't protect them against everything. I, I can't be there all the time. But you know what? I serve a God who can protect my kids and can protect my family in every situation. So why do I sit here and worry about it when I'm just like, you know, God, can, can, can you send angels to protect me every moment of every day? Absolutely. Can you protect Benjamin? Can you te- protect my wife, Amanda? Absolutely. So I'm going to stop worrying about it. I'm going to stop worrying about every little detail of their life. And I, I'm going to do the best that I possibly can, don't get me wrong, but there comes a point where I just have to turn the rest over to God and say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you are going to protect uh, my family. You know, how many of you, maybe you're going through some some marital problems. How many of you can change your spouse's heart? How many of you can do that? Again, you can't. You can't change your, your spouse. You can change yourself, and you serve a God who can change your spouse, but you can't do it yourself, so why worry about it? And you kind of see this line of thought, but... And I could go right down the list into a bunch of scenarios and maybe you think about the things that you worry about the most. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't change anything by worrying. So why do we do it? Here's, here's, here's the reason why I believe that we, that we worry. It's a lack of trust in God. And honestly, the, the biggest insult that we can give God is to worry. Because what we're saying is, God, I distrust your promises. I distrust what your word says. I distrust this exact parable that you're saying, that, that that you tell your disciples about the rich young ruler. I distrust that. That's that's what we're saying when we when we worry. And so I, I'm convicted about that a whole bunch, and it's something that I have to constantly bring before God. I'll tell you a few things. If that's you, and I I have a feeling that a lot of us can fall into that trap from time to time, is that that we worry about way too much stuff. If that's you, here's a few things that I believe that you can do. Um, to, to really help that. First of all, just simply pray that, that God would help you trust Him more. Just pray about it. Uh, another thing that I would do, uh, memorize Scripture. Uh, sometimes uh, we don't know God's promises because we don't have them hidden in our heart. So we don't know what God's promises are. I'd encourage you to memorize Scripture. There's, uh, You know, maybe one verse a week. We do that on a regular basis here at Life Church, where you can memorize a scripture. We kind of give one out there for you to memorize. I'd encourage you to do that. It's, it's one way that when worry begins to creep in that you can say, no, 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 that, that is not from God. That, that, that thought is not from God. I'm going to claim the word of God today, and this is what it says, in whatever the situation might be. Another thing I would do, maybe you want to do this today, list out what are the things that you worry about. What are the things that, that maybe it's the same three, four, five things that, that you worry about quite a bit? Maybe it's finances. You get real stressed out. I know that that's a very common thing <laughs> to get stressed out over. What do you worry about? And, and write those things out. And every day this week, just bring those to God and say, God, I can't, I can't do anything about these things, and I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to do everything that I can possibly do, but at the end of the day, I turn this over to you. I give you this situation. I'm going to trust you. And sometimes, um, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of like, well, I think I think I trust God. I mean, I think I do, but I don't know for sure. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we'll kind of close with this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Another version says he will direct your paths. He will make your paths straight straight. If you trust in God, the Bible says he will make your paths straight. And so the question for you is how straight are your paths? You know, I have a friend that, that I'll talk to from time to time, bless his heart, but he's the type of guy that he'll tell me this week, God told me to do this over here. Next week he told me to do this. And they're, they're like way far apart. And then he'd said, no, 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 don't do that. Do this over here. And then do, the, and he's just all over the board. And I'll tell him, I'm like, dude, this does not sound like the same God that I serve. I know that God can direct your paths, but they they don't conflict. You know, it, it, it's not one of those types of things. It says that God will make your paths straight. For me, this is just a real quick uh, thing that that kind of has helped me. But um, I, when I mow my yard, I just got a new lawnmower, which it's. It's just sweet. You know, I, I just get excited about that. I can actually hear the blades of grass getting cut. My other one just kind of would, like, chug when it got to, like, rough spots or whatever. Anyways, it actually literally almost blew up on me a few months ago. But that's another story. Uh, but this new lawnmower, one thing that I am, I don't know if it's OCD or not. It's borderline. But I like straight lines, okay? And I would even do this when I'm vacuuming. I, like, I... I know vacuuming girly or whatever, but I love I like straight lines through the carpet. And I'm kinda like, no, 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 don't don't walk on that yet. Just let us enjoy this while it's <laughs> while it's vacuumed, you know? I, I just that's the way. I know some of you are like, this guy's crazy, but I, I like these straight lines and so um so when I'm va- when I was uh, mowing when I was mowing a couple weeks ago I, I, I noticed and I'm kind of getting used to this new lawn mower and there's little nuances and oh this lever's over here not here you know all these things and so I'm mowing and I'm noticing my lines are are kind of crooked um, this is not up to Ryan's standard and so I'm like okay. And so I I try something. I I realize that when I'm looking right down in front of me, right down at the line and just trying to keep it right on there, I'll look back at the end of the line, and it's crooked. But if I start the line, and I just look right towards the end of the line, I don't look down here at all, and I just look at the end of the line, and I just walk straight. And I'm I'm not looking at anything around me. If I hit a rabbit, I hit a rabbit, but I am just going... (laughs) i was supposed to bring this point into a little more serious, so I don't know where I'm going with this. But, but honestly, I will begin, to, I, will, I will look straight at the end of the line, and at the end of the line, I will look back, and the line is so much straighter. And I, I think that's exactly this Proverbs 3 5, 3, 5, and 6. If you trust God, if you set your sights on God and God alone, not on these little things right in front of you, not on all these little details, you just focus on God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I, I really believe that, that the Bible's true when it says that he will make your paths straight. So I encourage you today. Maybe uh, some of you, you're, you're just a big time worrier and, and you trust more in, in the stuff that you have. You trust more in the provision of a job than you do in the provision of God. I, I, I hope today that you're convicted in that and that you would begin to trust God more in every area of your life. Maybe today, man, it's just been an issue of of giving God your best. You know, maybe there's certain areas where you're just like, I I don't think I do that. I I, I don't think I genuinely give God my best in every area. I would encourage you, what is it? Is it your time, your talent, your treasure, maybe a combination of of different ones? Give God your best. And last, maybe it's just an issue of you've gotten used to having all this, this stuff and having life served to you kind of nice, and everything's going pretty well. And uh, financially, you don't have a whole lot of worries, but you've gotten to a point where you just have stopped to forget. You, you've stopped to just, you've forgotten to stop. There's what I'm trying to go. You've forgotten to stop and just say, God, you're the reason that I have what I have. You're the reason why I live and breathe and have my being, as the Bible says. Today, I just encourage you to not just gloss over this parable. Maybe you need to reread it and see what, what is the thing that God wants to speak to your heart about this parable uh, today, because there, there's a whole lot there, and we could probably spend a lot more time talking about it. But man, I, I, I just pray that you would be encouraged today. I would pray that you would walk out of here with just a, a different perspective than when you came in. Would you join me in prayer today? Lord God, we thank you for your provision, and we thank you.